Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Oppressed and enslaved in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years, the people of Israel cried out to God for help. Seeing the affliction of his people, God began his redemptive plan to one day lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. So God appeared to Moses saying, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Pharaoh would not let the people go, though plague after plague served as a sign to him of God's power and sovereignty. Not until the tenth and final plague Pharaoh finally moved to send the people of God away. So they left the land of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea, passing from slavery to freedom. Well, I'm so excited to have Bob here. Um, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF. And uh, Bob is a friend. We, we gave each other a hug at the airport. And I was like, dude, it's been 20 years at least since we've seen one another. Bob was doing youth ministry. Um, and uh, our youth ministries did things together when I was a teenager. So Bob knows the dirt, right? The, when Brian was like 17 years old, if you want to ask him, what was he like? Bob knows, so um, and he will be honest with you. But uh, I'm so excited to have Bob share uh, today. Uh, Bob Bob is a lot of different things. He's a man of many talents. Um, he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Anybody do jiu-jitsu in the room? A few. Okay, so you guys can go grapple out in the lobby after church. We'll all stand around and cheer. It'll be great. Um, he's also a writer. He didn't ask me to do this, but um, he wrote a book called Not My Jesus, and it is a great book. And so Bob did a great job of kind of talking about the different uh, misunderstandings we have about who Jesus is and replacing those misunderstandings with the real Jesus. And and I love it because um, Jesus may be better and way more incredible than you ever thought he was. And so if we understand the real Jesus, we will be amazed by how good and amazing he is. And so um, if you want to grab that book, you can go uh, anywhere books are sold. Amazon's got it, uh, and as well as other places. But um, I just want to pray for you, Bob. And Bob's going to bring the message today, continuing on in our series, Into the Wild. Would you bow your heads with me, and let's pray for Bob. Jesus, thank you so much that your word uh, speaks to us today. Father, that a story that is thousands of years old can reach deep into our hearts here in 2021, and God, it can expose us for who we are. God, and yet it also exposes you for who you are. You are gracious. You are loving. You never stop searching and seeking for us, God. Uh, You are always standing there with open arms, ready to welcome us into your family. God, you want to free us from our oppression. That is the story that we celebrate through this, this series, God, is that you set your people free. God, I pray for a spirit of freedom in this room. God, heal us. Show us a path forward, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give it up one more time for Bob today. Thanks, brother. Thank you very much. It's fun to be here. Really grateful. Uh, I will be honest, I miss my wife and kids. Uh, I've been married for 25 years uh, this summer. 
And um, I don't sleep well when my wife for 25 years is not around. It's the strangest thing. Uh, so I'll be excited to go see her. And I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is 20 and my son is 18. And some of you might be in seasons of life where you have kids. There are some kids here and maybe your kids are grown, but you know what it's like when you're trying to figure out how to do family and, and raise kids. And one of the things that we have always tried to do is provide them with opportunities to develop their character or give them chores. Whichever way you want to look at that, it doesn't matter to me, but, but we, we had chores for our kids. And maybe if you're in here and you have chores, you'll, you'll understand all this will make sense. And one of the problems with, with chores is that we don't always want to do them. And my kids were really great and still are really great at, at excuses around uh, chores. And these, these might sound familiar, but if we, we had one chore, and I didn't mention it in the first service, but we call it doggy duty. <laughs> I'll let you figure out what that chore might be. And, um, and so we'd say, well, who's, who's doing doggy duty? You've got to go get the stuff taken care of. And what do you hear? It's not my turn. Right? Anybody ever say that? You hear your kids say that? Oh, it's not my turn. It's their turn. Especially when it comes to something I, wanna, I don't want to do. Or maybe you've heard this one, I have homework. Anybody? I can't do that. I, I've got homework. Or I have to go out. You know, kids get a little older and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going out. Or, or, you know, my kids at their age say, well, I, ha- I have work. And I have this really great pastoral, caring, fatherly response. I mean, just oozing with God's love and... I say, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I have an answer every time, right? It's not my turn. Don't care, right? I have to do homework. I don't care. I got to go out. I don't care. Do it before or after. There's always an excuse, and there's, there's always an answer, right? It happens that way in life all the way through. And when I was a teacher, I taught, you know, it was, it was always around, you know, homework. So it's like, well, where's your, where's your homework? Well, I had other homework. No way. How did that happen? So was it more important than my homework? I mean, it, what, what happened here? Or you would hear, I had practice. I couldn't, I couldn't do the homework because I had practice. Do you guys know what I'm talking about. You shepherd your kids around and they're super busy and they just can't get to their homework. Oh, I don't understand. The dog, the dog ate your homework. It's the same dog that does the doggy duty thing. Or how about this? I didn't get the assignment or I forgot. Right, kids, we got to get better at excuses. There's, there's other ones, right? And the, the, the older we get, it becomes different, but there's still the same thing. It's, it's an excuse. So like at work, maybe you've heard somebody drop the ball and they say, well, that wasn't my responsibility. You ever heard that one? Maybe you've, maybe you've said that. Or how about, I told someone else to do it. How about, it's not, it's not my problem. I don't have to worry about that, it's not my problem. Or I didn't get the email. Or no one told me. There's other seasons of life when maybe you're trying to date and I'm a bit of a relationship guru. Um, that was supposed to be funny. You look at me. Not much. 
So, so when, you're, when you're dating and you, you hear these excuses, you, would you like to go on a date? And they say, I'm, I'm cleaning my sock drawer. That means no. Like, no, I don't want to go on a date with you. Okay, guys, you with me here? If you hear this, just, just don't. Right, don't. And or, how about this one? Um, would you like to go out? Um, I'm washing my hair. Now, ladies, I, it doesn't take that long. But guys, if you hear that, no. Like, just don't. Just call it quits. Take your losses. It's easy to do, to have excuses for things that we really don't want. But life has a way of getting more serious and more challenging and more complex. And we move from pretty simple things to difficult things. And the questions change. And they start sounding like, how come you never realized your potential? What happened there? Why didn't, why didn't you finish school? Or why didn't you start school? What was that about? You used to be so close with your family. You used to be really close with your friends. What happened to that relationship? Or what got you into so much trouble? Different sets of questions. And then we wind up saying things like, well, I never had, you know, and fill in the blank, right? There's a season of life where we like to say, well, my parents. It's my parents. Well, the reason it didn't work out the way it was supposed to is is because you don't know how I grew up. You don't know about my family. And some excuses are real, and they're hard, and they make sense. And others are just used so that we keep from doing what we're afraid of. We just use excuses to try to avoid things we, we're really afraid of and that we don't want to do. And believe it or not, there's super spiritual people in the Bible who had a ton of excuses, right? Because we know that everybody in the Bible was super spiritual. No. Okay, so, for instance, Adam blamed Eve. Okay? In the garden, what happened? The woman you gave me gave me the apple, right? Don't look at me. She did it. Abram said, I'm too old. I'm way too old to do what you want me to do. Pick up and go to another country. I'm too old. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Gideon said, I'm from the wrong family, God. You, you, pick, you pick the wrong guy here. One young man said to Jesus, I'm too rich. I cannot do what you're asking me to do. Another said, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I have, I have family responsibilities. And one of the saddest stories in the New Testament is when there's a whole host of people who have been following Jesus for maybe, maybe two years and Jesus says some things that are really difficult for them to say and, and they just say, you know what? We would follow you, but your teaching's too hard. You're looking at a series, this series in Exodus and in the Old Testament, and you're looking at the story of God as it's told through his people, and particularly in Moses. And I want to look at Moses in chapter 3, 
and in chapter four of Exodus this morning to try to help us see what God has to say when, when we meet him, when he asks us to do things. So the, the setting is, and you, you saw it in the, in the bumper video, there's Moses encounters a burning bush. And I know that Alaska's different, but that's unusual to have burning bushes. Can we just, were you there? Okay, good. I don't, and then somebody's going to say, I know about a burning bush. Don't, please don't. Um, so he encounters a burning bush. It's altogether different. It makes no sense. It's weird and it's scary and it's otherworldly. And it's like, what's going on over there? And he goes over to check it out. And God says, I'm res- responding to the cry of my people. And his intent is to use Moses to free them. So God says this. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I'm listening to my people, Moses, and I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, the cry of my people Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. And then he says this, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You're talking to a burning bush in the desert. The burning bush says, by the way, I'm the God of Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God of Israel, who Moses doesn't really know. And it tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh. I know you grew up in Pharaoh's house. I know. I I know you murdered that guy. I I know you did. I, I know you ran away and tried to hide from what you've done. I know. And I've heard the cry of my people, Moses. I've heard them. And I want you to go to Pharaoh because I'm going to free them. It would have been terrifying. It would have been terrifying to have God ask you to go back to all of that, let alone to be the one through which he's going to free people. So what does Moses do? I think he does what you or what I would do. He says, I didn't get that email. (laughs) He comes up with some excuses. And he says, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The Lord your God, your fathers, has sent you. And they say to me, What's his name? What am I going to say to them? This is a new thing that God is doing. And and so it's not as if they just go like, oh, God told you, okay, let's go. I mean, they would need convincing, just like you and me. And so Moses is like, well, who are you? I don't know. What do I say? Who sent me? And God answers, I am who I am. I'm the beginning and the end. Without me, there is nothing. I am has sent you. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
Those are orders that are pretty good coming from him. But it's still scary because he doesn't really know who the I am is. And then he says, oh, they're not going to believe me, you know. I mean, if I go and if I do what it is that you're asking me to do, I know those guys. They're not going to believe me. So Moses says, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses, we know what was happening. You're out in the forest. You're out there, you got hit with a rock, you thought you saw a burning bush, and now you're freaked out and telling us that you're going to go save people. God says, I'm going to give you a staff that turns into a snake, and I'm going to give you this arm. It's kind of weird, honestly, but I'm going to slip it in here, and when I pull it out, it's going to be all leprous and white and weird, and then I'm going to put it back in, and when I bring it out, it's going to be fine. So it's cool. An arm and a staff. I'm going to give you signs so that people will know that I have sent you. They will believe me because I'm going to show them myself through you. And in the same way, God has gifted us his Holy Spirit by way of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so it's God's Spirit in you that people believe. It's not actually about us. It's about what he's doing in and through you. And so when they look at you and you go, well, they're not going to believe me, but they'll believe the love that you show them and they'll believe the peace that you have that passes all understanding and they'll believe that the mercy and the grace that you receive, you're so freely giving, they'll believe that. It's not up to us to make people take us seriously. It's up to him. And God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Right? So when he says, I want you to do this thing, he says, I'll I'll be with you. I'll do it with you. And I'll give you what you need to do it. They will believe me in you, Moses. So when he says, well... I don't, I mean, who sent me? And he's like, I sent you. I am, have sent you. And he said, well, they won't believe me. And he said, they'll believe me. And Moses says, well, I'm a terrible public speaker. I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since have you spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech. I'm about to get tongue twisted. God says, who makes a person's mouth, Moses, and controls everything that they can and can't do? I know how I made you, Moses. I know about your mouth. I know how you speak. Because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And so we would look at him, we would say, well, you wouldn't use Moses to go talk to Pharaoh, and it's actually... The very thing that God wants to use is Moses' weakness because then there's really nothing else that gets to take credit for the fact that God is doing something that only God can do through Moses. See, he's like, I know. I know. I want to use you. I know that you feel bad about how you speak, Moses. I want to use you. Moses says, well... I'm not really qualified. Would you 
send somebody else. And, and he says, I'm going to send Aaron with you, Moses. You will not be alone. And it's, it's easy for Moses to think, well, you know, you're calling me to do this thing and it's all by me and I don't really know what to do. And God says, Aaron will be with you and I will be with you. See, God comes to Moses where Moses was at. He didn't make Moses become somebody that he wasn't. Because it's actually God who's doing the thing through Moses. So it's not as if Moses somehow had to become someone else in order to do what God was calling him to do because it's God that it's at work. And God doesn't need anything. So we have Moses really actually kind of getting to the bottom of the thing. He says, please send someone else. Um, why won't you do doggy duty? I really don't like it and I don't want to. Right? Why didn't you do your homework? Uh, I think homework's stupid and I didn't want to do it and I was playing a video game. Right? Why didn't you get this done this weekend? Well, I decided to go on vacation. So we finally get to what is actually the thing with Moses. Please send someone else. And God says, I will be with you. Please send someone else. And he says, I am. I am the God who is the God of the universe, and I'm sending you. And he says, they will believe me in you, and I will speak for you, and you will never be alone, Moses. He doesn't say it'll be easy. He doesn't say, you'll like it. He doesn't say it'll lead to fame. Or that all your wildest dreams will come true if you just say yes to God. He doesn't say, you won't suffer. And he doesn't say, nothing bad will ever happen to you. See, God is not a genie. You don't rub the lamp and then just get your wishes. But what he does say is, I will be with you, and I am God, and they will believe me, and I will speak for you, and you will never be alone. It's okay to be scared when God calls you to something, it's normal, it's throughout the scriptures. When you know that God is tugging on your heart and he's, you know he wants you to do something and you're frozen and you're paralyzed and you think, man, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's complacency. Like maybe you're saying like, Lord, I want to serve you and I want to be obedient, but maybe we don't see the reason to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. Like, why do you want me to do this, God? I don't know. doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. And it's not up to us to actually see the reason for our obedience. Because God sees the reason. 
See, Moses is in the wilderness and he sees this bush and he's talking to this bush and God is over here and he goes, I can hear my people crying out and they need help. They're in desperate shape. Moses, please listen to me. I want to use you to rescue them. And I know you can't see it, but I can. And we don't know how God wants to use our obedience. But he does. And sometimes we say, I'm a, God, I would, I would do this, but my, my past is a mess. I've made a total mess of my relationships, or I've, I've made so many mistakes. I mean, look at Moses. He was a murderer for crying out loud. He ran away from his home. He made a total disaster of things. And it's easy for us to say when God says, hey, would you be obedient in this area? And we're like, yeah, I would, but you don't understand. And God is still in the salvage business. He's not sitting there saying, oh, I didn't know. I'm shocked. I had no idea you were hiding this. He knows. He knows. And he wants us to be obedient to him because he's even going to use our brokenness. He's even going to use our brokenness. And sometimes we'll say no to God because we really like our future. Right? There's a story about Jonah when God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and he's like, I don't want to go. And it's kind of like, well, how come? And he goes, well, because you're really good and you'll actually forgive those people and I really don't like them and I don't want you to do that. What? And so we sit there with God says, I want you to do this. I want you to surrender to me. I want you to let go. I want you to say yes to me. And it's like, yeah, but I got my life planned out. And you're going to screw with that. I don't want that. I like what I've got going. Sometimes we just feel real comfortable where we're at. And we just really don't want to reach for more. Comfort kills more Christians. Comfort kills too many Christians. So there's a story in the New Testament about a guy named Ananias. It's in the book of Acts. And Ananias is praying one day, and he hears the Lord say to him, Ananias, I want you to go to this town, and in this town there's a guy, and he's praying, um, and I want you to go pray for him. His name's Saul. And Ananias is like, um, sorry, did you, wait, just a second, I don't, I'm, I don't think I heard you, did you say Saul? Yeah, Saul, go, go, go pray for him. Um, sorry, uh, isn't that the guy that's killing Christians? Yeah, that's the guy. Um, isn't he given all the authority to like go and kind of wipe us out? Like, I'm one of them, Lord, you know, you're, you're asking me to go to the guy who kills people. Yeah, I know, go pray for him, would you please? So Ananias goes and he prays for Saul, who becomes Paul, who comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, writes almost all of the New Testament, and we're sitting here today in large part because Ananias decided to say yes to God. And you take it even a step further. You peer into the garden in the Gospels. And here's Jesus. 
God, if there is another way, I don't want to go through this. This cup that you have for me, this, this is the cup of suffering. I really don't want this. And he prays three times, would you please take it? Because I know what's coming, man. I don't want to do this. And each time he meets it with, but your will be done. And if it's not for his willingness to do that, we're not sitting here. We're stuck in our sin. We're dead in our trespasses. We're, we are no people of God because the obedience of Jesus Christ. We don't know how God wants to use what it is that he's asking us to do. And just because we don't see the reason doesn't mean that God doesn't. And it can be really scary. It can feel like a giant thing. I don't know what it is that God has been asking you to do, but I know that he's been asking you to do it. And I know that me talking to you this way this morning is doing this right now. And you may say, well, I'm damaged goods. And God says, but I'm not. And you say, I don't believe enough, God. And he says, but I do. And I'll let you down, God. And he says, I'll never let you down. And he say, I suck at this. And God says, I don't. For every I am not, we utter, God says, I am. I'm not good enough, God, but I am, he says. I'm not smart enough, but I am. And they won't listen to me. And he says, but they'll listen to me. And I'm not qualified. I'm not good at this. And he says, but I am. He is. And he's the one who calls us and asks us to be obedient. Just do the thing I'm calling you to do. I want to do something amazing in and through you. Would you please say yes to him? He knows all about our pain. He knows about all of our excuses. He's better at being a dad than I am. He doesn't sit there and go, I don't care. He says, I care so much. And sometimes the things that we're holding on are the very things that are killing us. He says, I want you to be obedient to me. Would you surrender that to me? Would you let that go? And maybe you've been carrying around some burden. Maybe you've got some bitterness or you've got some unforgiveness in your heart or you've got this sin that you just love so much that you worship it and you say, I'm really having a hard time. And God has been asking you and asking you and wooing you and, and saying, I want to do something beautiful in and through you. Would you let that go? I'll be with you. I'm for you. I want to do something beautiful in you. Would you please listen to me? So this morning... I would tell you that it's time to leave your unforgiveness at the foot of the cross. It's time to leave the control that you have of your life with Jesus. It's time to surrender all that you are, not, not try to get into heaven with 75%, but just say, you know what, I'm all in. 
It's, it's time to say yes to him for the thing that he's been asking you to do, that you've been putting off and that you've been acting like isn't a big deal. It is a big deal because God wants to reveal himself to a world that's hurting. The world is a desperate need of hope. You of all people, Alaskans, know this more than anyone. The suicide rates are off the charts here. People need hope, and they're going to see the hope of Jesus Christ in and through you as you say yes to him. You get to be how God reveals himself to a world that's hurting and in desperate need. And we do these things in obedience, not, not, not for Jesus, but because of Jesus, because of the great love that God has for you and me. Our answer to him when he asks us to do a chore is we say, how can I not? I'm all in, of course, because you love me so much. See, God is a master craftsman. He's he's made you in his image, and he's formed you. And in Ephesians, it says he's he's created you in Christ Jesus for good works to do in advance, right? So your purpose is to reveal him, to, to enjoy him, and then to reflect him to this world. It's such a privilege. And the God who's calling you to whatever it is that he's calling you to this morning is always bigger than the task that he's got in front of you. The God with you is bigger than the task in front of you. So this morning... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's baptism. Maybe you've been sitting here saying, I need to get baptized, and now I'm sitting here looking at you and saying, it's time. It's time. Whatever you came in here with today, what you carried, and you you knew, hey, God's been doing this, and all of a sudden now this is front and center because I got up here and said what I said. It's time. Let it go. Say yes to Christ. Let me pray for us. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.